0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're going a little bit old school today and recording not live. We'll be able to get this out to you on YouTube and on Facebook and all of the normal channels that you see us, LinkedIn as well. And today we want to answer a question. We really like to ask our audience this question and we get really great responses. So we asked the question, what is your biggest challenge with building wealth? Now, hopefully you have considered this question on your own because as you are building wealth, as you are building time and money freedom, I'm sure that you have encountered not a perfectly easy, smooth sailing ride on that path. So I wanted to share with you today a question from one of our audience members, and this is extremely insightful. We want to answer this really well for you today and hopefully spark your thoughts and your thought process on figuring out maybe what your challenges are in building wealth and how we can help you prevent and move around those obstacles. So today we're answering a question from Matt about how to create a balanced wealth portfolio. And I want to read the question to you. He says, how do I create a balanced wealth portfolio that includes a mixture of short, mid and long-term savings for now and the future? I'm weighing between and he lists four options. One, a backdoor Roth for someone who has been funding a Roth for 20 years. Two, a 401k, and he says, where to stop? Do you just fund to your match? Or what's the income level where a couple loses the tax advantage of fully funding? I was always taught get to a point where you can fully max for tax savings, but I'm not so sure. Number three, an independent stock investing in a basic brokerage, independent stock investing in a basic brokerage account or four whole life cash flow accounts. And he adds, when does it make sense to start adding this into one's investment strategy? Now, if these are questions or thoughts that have ever been on your mind, I really want you to listen in today. If you have been thinking through all the pieces of your financial plan and really doing the best that you can with your money, I want you to hear what we have to say about this specific question. So tune in to this show now. Bruce, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. And what I think is really interesting, I'll just kick us off really quickly here. I think this is really getting to the heart of probably what's on most people's mind when it comes to their money and thinking about the future. How do I handle all the things? Where do I put my money to accomplish my goals? And I think my goals should probably be short, mid and long range because I've heard that before. But how do I most effectively get everything working together to do as best as possible for me? I mean, that's what I'm hearing behind this entire question.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think um, Matt's trying to uh, answer questions with um, what I would consider more traditional thinking. So Mm -hmm. he's, first of all, he thinks that you can just ask a question with limited uh, information given and get the answer. So, in other words, he said, "You know, uh, tell me what's best between a Roth, a four hundred one k, independent stock investing, and a whole life." Mm -hmm. And I would say, "Well, we really can't answer that question because we do not know your current cash flow, your your future cash flow needs, your uh, how you feel about these different things." Because he did mention that he was always taught to get to a point where he can fully max for tax savings, but now he's not sure. Well, now he's starting to think, which is good. And then the other thing is, is, why are you investing? You know, why are, yes. you, sa- why are you saving? You know, that's a, that's a big, big question. And a lot of times people, the, what, the first uh, answer to that is, well, I want to I retire. I saw a couple of things that I thought was interesting. Uh, I'm looking at Instagram and it pops up in this investing page I, I watch. And it says, the goal is retire at 40 with cash flow savings. And I was thinking to myself, why is that the goal to retire at 40? I mean, I don't understand that. (laughs) You know, now maybe that's somebody's goal. Right. But this is an investing uh, Instagram post that says that is the goal. I mean, that was exactly how I was saying it. The goal is to retire at 40 with cash flow investments. And I'm thinking, who determined that? Right.
1: And what age? and yeah. why retire and i like the cash flow invest investment's part of that but why does it have to be 40 and when are you starting i mean are you starting at 18 or are you starting at 39 i mean there's a lot missing in that context
0: and, and then we have to determine what the meaning of retire means because yep. it drives me crazy when i see these big things on youtube and so i retired at 30 and now i travel the world and then you find out they like drew binski is a travel uh, expert who's been at a hundred, all hundred ninety four, and you know he doesn't say this, but this is what people say. And I write a travel blog, and I do video on YouTube, and I do this, and I trade options, and I do that. To me, that's not retire. You're still working. You know. Now, what what you really mean is I retired for what I didn't like doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you have I quit to my job. So yeah.
1: there's that that whole area of saying, okay, well, maybe I was able to quit my career job, the job that I worked as a W-2 employee for somebody else that I had to go for 40 hours a week and that I you know, got a paycheck and my taxes were taken out of that. And I had really no control. It wasn't a business. Maybe I retired from that, but still this idea, the word retire. I mean, you and I have shared this. We even talked about it with Rabbi Daniel Lapin on the show. The whole idea of retiring means to put out of use. Mm -hmm. And none of us really want to be put out of use. Instead, we want to have Streams of income, if you layer that over onto Robert Kiyosaki's thinking, that is, I have businesses and I have investments that are systematized that other people are working in. So I'm managing a team and I'm managing processes and technology and automation. And those things are producing a stream of income where I don't have to personally show up to make every single thing happen. I don't have to lick all the envelopes and I don't have to handwrite every single piece of paper that happens in the business. And I don't have to personally oversee every single element of this. But that still doesn't mean retiring. So you and I share this idea that we want to continue working in our unique ability, doing the things that energize us and give value to the world. But let's just not call it retiring.
0: Yeah. So a, a couple of things, and we'll get back. I mean, I think this is all part of Matt's question because it's about think, you know, how do you think?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And are you thinking about your thinking? <laughs> That's the other thing is why am I thinking this way? Why am I changing my views of of this uh, I used to believe that you pour all of your resources into your business and you don't take any money out of your business you because that actually hinders the growth of your business. but then i I used to own an auto repair business in um San Diego that was only about seven miles away from Camp Pendleton It had thirty five thousand marines, and it was only about oh I don't know maybe. 10 or 12 miles away from the main, uh, training facility down in San Diego. And then we had Miramar and we had all these, my my point there was at the time, it was 2001 and we went to, uh, Iraq and, uh, there was 250,000 initial soldiers that went to Iraq and 50,000 of them came out of San Diego County.
1: So Mm -hmm. about
0: 20% of them. Well the auto re- repair place that I had had a nationwide warranty so that when these marines and these navy people went to other places they liked to come to our shop because when they got redeployed to another state they could the warranty would go with them. Well mm, suddenly suddenly 50,000 of my customers left and we didn't have any cash flow off of those customers. And so it got me to thinking, well maybe it is good to kind of, you know, have a hedge against your business because some things are out of your control. Mm-hmm. COVID's another great example. Oh, you know, absolutely. For years, I would have said for restaurants, put more money into your restaurant. Don't put it, pull it out and put it into other investments. So you have to think about your thinking. How are you, th- why are you thinking this? Why are you changing your thought process? Here's another one. So, you know i guess this is going to be le- later on but right here they're changing the way our verbiage this is high yield savings account at 0.4% so they're trying to change our thinking what actually oh, right. high yield is
1: well because compared to,
0: compared
1: to 0.02
0: <laughs> right it is high <laughs> yield.
1: it is very high but compared to what invest or savings accounts used to get 20 years ago it's nothing.
0: So I would say to Matt with all due respect, you in order to answer this question, you really have to sit down with a qualified financial professional and I know a lot of people get, you know, kind of upset about this. I'll oh, just give us the just give us the answer, but you in order to do a fiduciarily responsible job, you have to sit down with a qualified professional mm-hmm. to go over all your goals and aspirations. You actually—it's what what is called in our industry by the by Finra, the Financial Regulatory Authority—and frankly, now there's a new uh, best interest contract that's moving into the insurance industry. It's called know your client. So you must know all of your client's assets. You have to know your client's cash flow. You know how you have to know your ta- the taxes. You know you have to know their goals and risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. So that's why we can't just say out on a recording, oh, you need to do this and this and this. One thing I did notice, Rachel, and maybe this was a a typo by you or him, or maybe it was just a misunderstanding, the backdoor Roth, he said for someone who has been funding a Roth for 20 years, well, a backdoor Roth, you you actually have to have a regular IRA that changes into a Roth. um, And there are some advantages of that. but once again, you have to look at the entire, you know, uh, financial picture to, to determine what those are. So let's go. Let's yeah. let's talk about some of the basic uh, questions that we would ask, you know, people. So one, we we need to understand. Um, you need to understand the fundamentals of all your different decisions. You know what goes into those decisions. Then you usually, like engineers always say, the simplest answer is probably the best answer.
2: They'll mm-hmm.
0: so simplify it. You know, don't necessarily listen to, you know, with, uh, the pundits that say, oh, you need a diversified portfolio that would include 20 different investments and investment asset classes. That may, that may be good for somebody that understands all though, that, but it, do, it might not be good for you. Um, understand why invest, you accomplish your goals. We, mm-hmm. we understand that I have clients all the time that know themselves and they say, If I don't get it out of my checking account, I'm going to spend it. Which is
1: probably true for even the people who don't admit that.
0: Correct. And then other people say, oh, no, if I get below $10,000 in my checking account, I get really nervous. And then other people might have $200,000 in their savings account and say, I know it's not growing and I know it'd be better off somewhere else, but I want that money completely safe, even if it's eroding the the purchasing power, so you have to look at all that. And then, Rachel, I know you're really big on talking about mindset. So, what are some of the mindset things that people have to?
1: Yeah, good about? question, Bruce. And I was going to comment on a few things that you brought up here. Okay. So, the idea that you have to understand where you specifically, Matt, or any person who's listening, you have to understand what your goals are. I want to um, do a little bit of the reverse side. I want to commend Matt for asking the question because. I think sometimes just getting our thoughts out on paper can help us start organizing and figuring out, okay, where do I actually stand? What do I actually want to do? And why do I want to do that? And Bruce, I think behind what you were saying today, you were saying, what's the purpose of your money? You have to understand for every single person, maybe your purpose is to fund real estate investments so that you can get cash flow. Maybe your purpose of your money is to make sure your kids have a plan for going to college and you're going to be taking care of your aging parents. Maybe your purpose of your money is, I want to be able to travel and retire, or maybe that is your language. Maybe you say, I want to get free from a job and I want to have cash flowing assets. Whatever the purpose of your money is, it matters because from one person to the next, it's not the same. And so what I heard in here was the mix of short, mid and long term savings. What I hear is I hear, you know, I really need to be able to have cash that I can rely on if the car goes tomorrow and I need to buy a new one. That could be midterm that could be short term. I really need cash for if I need to, you know, pay a thousand dollars to fix the car, or I need to install. A, I need to change, fix my roof. I need to do something that's maintenance or an emergency arises. That could be short or mid range. When I hear long term, I think more of I want this money to produce more money for me so that I have income and cash flow in the future. If we simplify all of that down, I think. I need to have cash for emergencies and for opportunities. And for me, this is my thinking. If I can think about building a pool of capital that I can access for emergencies and opportunities, then I have short, mid and long-term savings. I'm in a position now where I'm, I'm saving cash and I have this capital that I can access whenever for whatever I need. And we can talk more about that in a second. But mindset, Bruce, is extremely critical. And I think This is the number one thing that any person listening should be working on and the number one thing that all of us who are growing are also continuing to work on. There's no such thing as, I fixed my mindset and now it's done. It's really this continual working towards abundance thinking versus scarcity thinking. And I can be the first to admit to you that I can slip back into scarcity thinking. And scarcity thinking is, I don't know if I can do that. It's going to be too hard. What if I lose money? What if it doesn't work? What if I don't know what I'm doing? What if I look stupid? What if I say the wrong thing? What if, what if, what if, what if the world falls apart and everything, you know, goes to hell in a handbasket? So instead of thinking about, I don't have enough, I can't afford that abundance thinking switches the tables and says, I am created with infinite capacity. I have a creative mind. And as I create value for other people, I have dollars flow into my life as a result of that. That means I can create anything, which means I can figure out how to get more money to do the things that I need to do and figure out how to manage my time and my energy and my talents and my skill set and my unique abilities to do the most good in the world that I can possibly do. And that abundance thinking actually increases the whole world for everyone. That requires somebody to think outside the box instead of just looking at your finite resources. It is an expansive, infinite perspective. And I think that's the number one thing that allows us then to think differently, to instead of just accepting the status quo way of thinking about money, to start asking these questions and say, has what I've been taught, or is what I've been taught really serving me? And is it really the right answer? Or is there something else that I should be reaching for? So, Bruce, if I just boiled it all down to the simplest way of thinking, it's that infinite thinking versus finite thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. And mindset also is, um, is a feeling that you're in control. I, I think that's really, um, cause people say, well, I actually had one of our clients say to me, how did, how did you change your mindset? Mm-hmm. And I, and I said ex- exactly what you just said, Rachel, I said, well, I'm constantly challenged by my mindset and I'm, ch- I'm constantly being aware of it.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so I think, uh, writing, Writing, uh, journaling, putting things down on a piece of paper helps you in that situation. Um, I also think surrounding yourself with people that think the same way that you, you think. Or, or that you think
1: the way you want to think.
0: Want to think, yeah. That would be a better way to say it. And then also realizing that it's okay if, if you fall off the wagon, as they say, every once in a while. I think I've mentioned this on, on the podcast before. You know, every every month I I look at my mortgage bill and pay it, I'm like, well, I could why don't I just round that up to a round number, you know, and I don't know why that creeps into my head all the time, um, but it does. Um, also, I think people have to get out of this thought of with mindset that, well, becoming time and money freedom is hard. Mm-hmm so i have to sacrifice to get what i want now we talk about delayed gratification but that what we're saying is not you're not going to feel badly by doing what you're doing you're just delaying feeling good about what you're doing in the future you should be feeling good that you're delaying it you know hey i'm proud of myself that i'm doing this do it, do i really need this right now or hey i need it right now but why don't i just create some other income sources. So that's
1: the way I think about that is that if you know where you're going and you know that the, the path that you're on will take you there, then you can feel really good about the steps of progress that you're making. Even if you said no to something that you might have really wanted to buy today, that, you know, you're going to be able to buy in the future. If you know you're on that path. So I didn't want to um, take away the words from your mouth, but I think no, no. knowing that you're progressing can be extremely rewarding. Is there anything else that you wanted to share on that Bruce about um, your mindset and, and specifically being able to have the de- delayed gratification and feeling good about that?
0: No. And I, I, you know, being aware, we already talked about that. That's, that's the same as plugging your money leaks,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and that's important, you know, to uh, you know, looking at, different ways. I was just, I was before the podcast today, I was sitting down with my commercial uh, insurance broker and we were, we were looking at one of the businesses I own, you know, we're shopping, (laughs) we're shopping, um, the commercial insurance for it. And we're going to save $1,800 bottom line for the business this year, year, which is, um, you know, some people might say, well. You know, is that really worth it? Well, it's it's not only eighteen hundred, but it's, then it's what the eighteen hundred can do to actually build more cash flow in the business.
1: Yes, so, and where you could invest that in the business today, what it could have created can can that eighteen hundred create four thousand this year? Can that compound and grow? And what is the opportunity cost of correct. not having saved the eighteen hundred this year for the rest of your lifetime?
0: Correct. So th- that's just an example of a money leak um, that you have to constantly be, be looking for. Um, yeah. So I think that you know, some people would say, well, that's a scarcity mindset. Why don't you just go produce $1,800 more in the business? Well, because we're looking at that compounding effect of, of that. Yes, that's what I'm doing. I'm saying I can take that 1,800 and use it in the business to produce even more money.
1: Yes. And I think the reason that we're even starting from that point of saying, how do I keep more of my money? Is that if you're thinking long-term, which Matt is, and you probably are, if you're on this show or you're listening to this show, if you're thinking long-term and you say, how can I create as much money as possible so that I can have cash when I need it today? and, And I can also have cash to create an income stream in the future. If I'm in a position of doing that, I need two things. A, I need to make sure that I'm keeping and controlling as much of my money as possible. So that means if you have an income of $500,000 a year, but you're spending $499,999, you're not going to move forward very fast because you're spending everything that you make. However, if you have that same income, but you're saving or putting half of that cash each year towards a future lifestyle and building time and money freedom, you're going to make traction a lot faster. So I really see two sides of the question. First, how do I get as much of my today's money that I'm making put into this bucket of putting towards the future? And then how do I allocate what is that cash for the future? And so that's why we're first talking about, first you need to plug the money leaks in your current income so you can have as much cash flowing over into the future as possible. Then do not forget this step protect that money. A lot of people just say, Well, first I'm just going to increase my savings from a thousand to two thousand to five thousand a month to ten thousand. Now I'm saving ten thousand a month. Okay, great. Let's invest that money straight over here. Let's plug that into a business. Let's plug that into uh, the stock market. Let's plug that into real estate. And pretty soon we've jumped over the protection component where you want to say, how do I make sure that all my wealth is in this house that if a storm of life comes and hits that roof, it's not going to come inside of your house and tear apart what you have built? So, that is all of your insurance protections. Bruce, you just mentioned some commercial insurance. That's commercial insurance in your business, it's auto, homeowners, umbrella coverage. I hope I said that correctly. Um, having life insurance, disability, health insurance, all of these pieces will insulate you and protect you. Put that really strong roof on your house so that when the storms of life happen, because they do happen, nothing can come in and damage the wealth that you're building. That also is all your legal protection. So business, entity, having your estate planning in place and in order. So this is the progression. Keep in control as much of your money as possible, protect that money, and then let's figure out how to invest that money. And this is going to look different from person to person.
0: Yeah. If you want to know what that feels like, cancel your auto insurance. Then get in your car and drive around the city for the next four hours and see how you feel and how, and how you react. And how
1: that's a good you know. analogy. Yeah.
0: And then if you don't have income protection, whether it's disability or life insurance, that's what you're doing every day with your life. You're walking around. You may not feel it. You may not feel it because the difference between. Uh, the auto protection, I think, and life protection is—you're uh, you're, going to be nervous doing that. One of the reasons you're, you're going to be nervous is you're going to—you're actually going to have to potentially pay for the damages to somebody else's car
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, if you cause the damage. If yes, you cause it with life insurance. You know, people are saying, "Well, you know, I'll, I just lose my income," but if, especially if you're married and have responsibilities or business partners, you know, that's a burden you're putting on them. So but people, huge burden. Yeah, people don't think of it that way for some reason. So. I
1: think that people don't think about it consciously, but right. subconsciously, you know that you're walking around with that kind of liability. And yeah. the crazy thing is that that causes you to not make as confident of decisions. Right. But most people are unaware of that subconscious thing that's happening. So when you have the protection, it gives you the ability to then go make more money. With confidence, so Bruce, let's go ahead and um, I think we can jump to real quick and we can talk about the difference of where you can put your cash if you're in a position now. You have maybe you have a good cash flow. You're keeping as much of your money as possible. You're saying, okay, now let's go ahead and put that over into a plan for the future. And again, this is something that we cannot talk about specifically. We can't tell you Matt exactly what to do or you any listener who's listening because it depends on everything Bruce you mentioned your financial picture it depends on where your cash is sitting how much you have at this point what your financial decisions have been been leading up to today that are causing you to have these questions on your mind it depends on if you've been saving anything if you have lost a lot if you've not saved anything if you have five businesses if you have an income of a million dollars a year or 40 million or 10,000 it matters where your cash is flowing and where it's sitting and that is a very simple way of saying your entire financial picture, which is a little bit more complex than flowing and sitting. But that right. will tell us a lot about where your cash is. So yeah, Bruce, so, now go ahead.
0: So we already talked about the purpose of the money. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes when money's sitting at different places, it can actually take care of two different or three different purposes. But you, money can only sit in three places when it comes to taxes. It can, it can sit in a taxable position, that anything you make on that year, you have to pay taxes on it. Now, there's a variety of different taxes you might have to pay on it, but that's for this year. Then the second place it can can sit, which unfortunately, in my opinion, is where most people have the money is in tax deferred.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: tax deferred means that at some point, you're going to have to start taking money out of it But the worst part about it is you cannot take, under current tax law, you cannot take money out of it until, in most cases, 59 and a half. There are some exceptions at 55, depending on how your 401k is set up. Or you can do something called a 72T, which is another, uh, a whole show we could do on that. But just for those people that are, understand this, uh, they're going to say, oh no, there's another way. And I I know there is, but it's very rare. And then the current SECURE Act says, You can defer taking that, but you must start taking it at age 72. It used to be 70 and a half. Now it's 72. There's a little caveat that I want people to understand on that. Uh, It used to be when you would pass that on to the next generation, not your spouse, but the next generation, they used to be able to stretch it out over their lifetime of required minimum distributions, starting immediately at any age but they could stretch it out over their lifetime. The Secure Act is now forcing people to take it out over a 10-year period. Now let's just think about this. If a person's average age of mortality is somewhere around 78 and they had you as a child at 22, which that doesn't happen very much anymore, but you're at you're at 56 if my math is correct. Yes. It just so happens 50s Happen to be the time that you have the greatest income, mm-hmm. generally. So now you have to take any inherited money and stick, stack it on top of your income in one tenth increments instead of over your entire lifetime. That takes tremendous planning to minimize taxes in that situation. And then the final one is tax free. And tax free can be. Equity in your home, of course, you have to get permission to pull equity out of your home. Uh, municipal bonds, municipal bonds, um, people would say are kind of risky right now because municipalities um, are not are on shaky grounds and uh, they're triple tax exempt and they're not paying very much. It could be a Roth IRA. Once again, we have problems with access. And oh, by the way, you still have to take the money out of the Roth IRA over 10 years. It's kind of a weird thing, but you do. Um, and then finally, cash value and life insurance. So you have to take the purpose of the money. You have to look at your tax implications, you know, going forward. And I think if I can get across one concept in this podcast, it's about strategy. It's mm-hmm. not about products. I tell people all this t- all the time, because everybody's always looking for the best product. You know, the best, what's the best product? What's the best company? What's this? What's that? these companies wouldn't have would not be able to sell products if they weren't decent companies mm-hmm. or decent products so quit fixating on the best product fixate instead on the best strategy for your mindset
1: Bruce I love that and I think the biggest question then that comes to mind because I think anyone listening would say then okay I've I've saved the cash I I'm putting the cash into Some holding tank, and I have some allocation of taxable accounts, which I pay tax on this year, tax deferred, which I don't pay tax this year, but I do pay tax when I take the money out, that you said, and also tax free accounts, which means I pay tax before the money goes in, and then I don't pay tax as it grows or when I take the money out. Okay, so shouldn't I just do all tax free? Shouldn't I? uh, How should I think about this in a big picture? If I'm thinking about a strategy, ultimately I want to use my cash. Turn it into more cash, invest it for the best cash flow, have the most income in the future, minimize taxes, oh, and I still want to be able to use it in an emergency today, or if so, or for the future. So that big retirement word that we don't like to use, but I want to use it to draw an income stream in the future. And if I think big picture, and I step completely back from that entire strategy, why not just put it all in tax-free?
0: Yeah, you know, I used, I've changed my mindset on this a little bit. Um, I would say, once again, and I know people, it depends. If you have a business or you have some kind of cash-flowing assets that even when you're in retirement that are going to show, show up on your, um, on your 1040, your tax return, then having all your other assets being tax-free is not a bad uh, idea, and here's the reason why. Before the 2017 Tax and Jobs Act change for our federal taxes, the exemption um, for a deduction on your taxes was around twelve thousand dollars for a married couple, six thousand for a single. The Tax Tax and Jobs Act actually doubled that, so what i'm finding out now the strategies of having all your money in the tax free you're not taking advantage of future potential future ability to actually put some money in a tax deferred minimal amounts in a tax deferred um, and then you could have a strategy where you're 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 taking it off your taxes this year but because of that $24,000 tax deduction exemption you can actually pull up the $24,000 out not pay taxes in the future also so you never pay taxes on it so it's kind of like tax free so but it's even better than tax free because in tax free investments we have to pay the taxes now and not mm-hmm. pay them or then not pay them in the future now you could actually put a small amount not pay it now and then take take it out tax free if you have the right strategy. Well and again small amount. Strategy. Strategy. Yes.
1: Strategy is key.
0: Now with- I can't, but Rachel, the big thing is this is what Nelson Nash used to always say. You can't change contract law because it's a fabric of our society, but you can take you can change tax law. So who knows? And this is and the problem with tax We deferred. don't get to change it. Right, <laughs> it's right. It's some
1: of the powers that be above us that this change is the tax of ta- law.
0: This is the problem of tax, fer- tax deferred money. You, you, can't, you don't know what's going to happen yes. in 30 years when you're going to take it out or 40 years when you're going to take it out.
1: Absolutely. And what's so, so interesting about that is I hear so many people saying, well, I'm tax deferring, which means I'm saving taxes. And the challenge is if you're just saving tax today, but postponing the tax bill for the future... You don't control the tax environment of what the thresholds are going to be, what the tax rates are going to be, what your income is going to be, which is probably, if you're successful, going to be higher than it is today, and you're probably going to have fewer exemptions, and you're in a position where you might actually pay a lot more tax in the future than if you had gone ahead and paid it today. So defer is a fancy word for postpone. Defer sounds a lot, you know, you can kind of shuffle that and, and wave it behind some magic cards, and it sounds really nice. But remember, defer means postpone.
0: So, Rachel, th- I'm going to give a shout out to Marcus. I won't say his last name, but Marcus called me. He's one of our clients. And Marcus called me the other day and he said, My dad had his taxes done at his CPA. And the CPA said, Well, you're going to owe this much in taxes, but if you put $7,000 in an IRA, we can reduce your tax bill to this. And I said, Marcus, because I knew Marcus and his dad were into real estate. And I said, can I see your dad's tax, uh, your tax return? Because you guys are taking a lot of real estate losses, right? He goes, oh, yeah, we're taking a lot of real estate losses. And I said, so I bet your dad's hardly paying any taxes in the first place. And he goes, sure. So he sent me it. And sure enough, because of what they had done this year, his dad was way down in the 12% tax bracket. And I said, you and your dad are can continue to build because they also started this other fitness uh, uh, workout facility. I said you got you guys are building all these businesses and you're, you plan on having all this income, you know later on, right? And he's like, yes. I I said so. I would tell your dad why would you save? I think it was like twelve hundred dollars now to only take it out in the future. First of all, lock up seven thousand, which mm-hmm. you could be using for your flipping businesses. And, and buying more businesses, only to pay more in the future. And Marcus goes, uh, Bruce, I knew that's what you're going to say, but I wanted to make sure that I was looking at it the same way. So these are the kind of things that you have to think about, not just let your CPA, who's, who doesn't look at the, the entire financial picture, just tell you, oh, if you want to reduce your taxes this year, put $7,000 in an IRA. I always tell people, ask your CPA is that going to save me the most taxes this year but cause me to pay more taxes in the future? Or is that going to save me, can I save less taxes this year, thus saving more taxes in the future? And they're never, they're never asked that question.
1: You know, it's so, so interesting. And again, it all comes down to strategy. And strategy is not something that's a point in time today. Strategy is your entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. So just, we need to come to a close here in the next couple of minutes. But the big picture is, um to Matt and anyone listening what's the purpose of your money and i would encourage you to think this way it's not just about saving money for short mid and long term savings it's really about saying how can i do as much as possible with this cash and here's my big picture challenge if i think about money for the future it's really easy to break down money that you're putting into the future into savings and investments Savings is going to be something that is there for you. It is liquid. You can access it. It's not going to drop in value. Investments, usually we jump our mind to an investment because we're growing our money at a higher rate than what we can get in savings. The problem is with an investment, you add on some risk and you have the possibility of losing that cash. And so if I think about, well, I could save my money if I just want to keep all this cash available or I could invest my money. The challenge is we think of it as an either or. And it's not an either or conversation. Really, you have the ability to save cash and also invest the same cash. It just takes the right strategy. And so if you are looking for a way to be able to do that, to leverage your cash, to save it, and be able to invest it, to boost returns, to have access to capital for emergencies and opportunities, and to be in a position where you're not only growing your capital, you're also growing a death benefit that can pass on a legacy for future generations. Now we're talking about infinite banking and using a specially designed whole life insurance product. Now, this is something that anyone can use. It is certainly not the one product for everyone to use, But the interesting thing is, if you're looking at the purpose of your money and I'm saying, I want to minimize my taxes in the future, this will help you do that. If you want capital to have available for short, mid, and long term growth, this will help you do that. And if you want to make sure you're in a position of saying, I don't want limits on how much I can put in, like I have with a Roth, I don't want to have limits on my income, where if my income is over a certain threshold that I cannot put any more cash in. I want to be in a position where I can save and invest and do the most with my money possible. So Bruce, I know that this was a kind of a short show today, but at the same time, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. If you are interested in finding out more about any of these topics that we've addressed, or you want to figure out how in your personal financial life, to say, how do I maximize and keep in control as much of my money as possible? We'd love to talk to you. And you can book an appointment with our advisor team at themoneyadvantage.com. And that will take you over to our calendar. You can click the button right on the front page, which will jump you over to our calendar page. And you can go ahead and do that. Now, if you're interested in asking us a question, you can email hello at themoneyadvantage.com. And I wanted just to let you know that we are here to provide you the education and the resources that you need to really be able to do exactly, Bruce, what you said. Step back and look at the strategy. It's about the strategy, not just the product. Bruce, anything you want to share before we close out?
0: No, I just, uh, I I appreciate the question and I'm looking forward if uh, Mark's listening to to talking to him, because I do like people that at least are thinking through their financial picture.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Matt, for the question. Thank you for listening to the show today. And we will see you next time in closing. Remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love.